show that remembers when TVAM's new Saturday morning show Splat was introduced on the outgoing Saturday morning show Data Run with a montage of some of the pop stars who were going to appear in the Charlie's Bus segment, leading presenter Edwina Laurie to exclaim Morrissey for the Smiths in a sort of Are You Sure voice. I'm Tim Worthington, and joining me today to talk about some of the things that she remembers that nobody else ever seems to is broadcaster B.B. Lynch. B.B., what are you up to? Where can we find it? I am up to too much. I am running an interview series, running an interview series. I'm presenting an interview series at the Groucho Club, which is no point me telling you that she can't go, which makes me sound like an absolute wanker. <laughs> but I don't mean that. But that's one of the things I'm doing. I'm also doing, I'm doing lots of panels and live events and I'm loving it. My new one is called Why Are We Afraid to Talk About, which is a series at the Star and Garter in Brighton. And I interview people about what are kind of, I guess, taboo subjects. We'll be talking things like, sex work and thruples, monogamy, pronatalism, worshipping at the altar of motherhood. So lots of subjects that I think are apparently are contentious. And I'm on Twitter at BB Lynch and Instagram at BB Lynch and BBLynch.com. And I'm on podcasts and everything. And I'm in court. Am I in court again, Tim? Do you remember the last time I was in court? Well, I was going to ask, and I hope it's not related, <laughs> was last oh, time we were on, you had yeah. the podcast Let's Get Frank, which is basically yes. about your ambition to get Frank. Now, I know the answer to this, but for all the listeners, did you get him? And is that why you're in court? (laughs) Can I plead the fifth in the UK? I did not get Frank. I learned a lot about myself, none of it good. I love that podcast so much. And a bloke I know suggested I do a follow-up called Only Dan's. Oh, that has got to happen. That's so funny, isn't it? So, yeah, it's a dating thing because, as you know, Tim, and as I know, it baffles you. My last relationship ended the day after Diana died, and <laughs> I'm still searching for the one. Yeah, and maybe only Dan's. I've actually got a podcast in development at the moment that I'm so excited about, and I want to tell you about, but I'm not allowed to. But please keep looking at my feeds because it, when it happens, it will be a big announcement, and I'm very excited about it. But yeah, Frank and I remain parted. <laughs> But Dan and I (laughs) could be the next big thing. Would you be jealous? Would you be sad if I found love? (laughs) (laughs) I answered that without getting (laughs) cancelled. I try to be professional all times on this show. (laughs) Says he who's had ex-girlfriends as guests, so... Have you? (laughs) How did that go? It went absolutely fine. Any recrimination was... No, there was no recrimination that was cut out of any show. I assure you, on legal terms, that... That is so I'm funny. Did any sense? No, you're making nothing. I've, I've, I'm afraid I've thrown you. Let's talk about things. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I was going to say, if you haven't got Frank and you may not get Dan, what yeah. about Kevin? <gasps>
Okay, that was Kevin Keegan singing Head Over Heels in Love, singing, as we'll come on to, maybe a relative term. So, BB, why would you want Kevin? Because I am head over heels in love with him. I loved Kevin Keegan. I still love Kevin Keegan. I would love it. I support Liverpool. And as you can tell from my accent, I'm (laughs) I'm from South London. But my my reasoning is when I was young, they were, I mean, I am this shallow, they were winning everything and they were extraordinary and they had the tight shorts and the tight perms and they were just fabulous and I loved them. And Kevin Keegan was my love. One of my uncles had a wedding, it was in Battersea, and at his wedding reception, I made them put the telly on because Liverpool were playing. It was like, where would there be a TV? It was a cup final, I think it was against Man U. Anyway, there was a TV then, I made them put it on and Liverpool lost. And my dad was like, don't, don't, I'll beat up Kevin Keegan for you. And I was like, don't touch him! <laughs> like, literally hysterical. And then years later, my dad met Kenny Dalglish and said to Kenny Dalglish, you ruined my life, my daughter always loved you more than she loved me, which isn't true, but it was quite close. <laughs> but, um, but how sweet. But anyway, I just love Kevin Keegan. So when he brought out a single, I mean, imagine the joy, Shay BB. And I think, and I hope I'm not making this up, I think I had it on blue vinyl. And you'd think it was Kevin Keegan, it should have been red vinyl. Well, he had actually left Liverpool at that point. Amazingly, yes, I know a football fact, but that was just after. And I wonder if this was linked in some way, which I'll get around to, but it was after brilliantly named Hamburger SV in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) And the single was written by members of Smokey, who... Well, you know, they were relatively successful over here, but they were huge in Germany for about 2,000 years. And I wonder if it was some kind of byproduct of that, because Smokey were always coming on Checkers Place Pop and talking about how big they were in Germany. (laughs) While they did their single, you know, that got to number 38 or something. (laughs) This got to number 31, actually. But was it because, was it actually sort of a German, I don't want to say a German operation, but you know what I mean? Did it come about as part of his newfound popularity in Germany? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I mean, are you sure it only hit 31? Apparently so, yes. According to Tim Rice's, book of British hit singles. Maybe Tim Rice is bitter about this because I'm not sure that Tim's got that right. He was, I mean, Kevin was on, I picture him doing Top of the Pops. I'm sure I picture him doing Top of the Pops with this. So look how high my voice has gone talking about (laughs) Kevin Keegan. I'm sure I remember him doing Top of the Pops and you think Kevin Keegan on Top of the Pops, that's going to be top 10. I don't know, because if you watch the repeats on BBC4, in those days in particular, in the late 70s, they did just have, I don't know what was going on, maybe it's all the strikes and so on, but any old bunch of no-hopers that, you know, <laughs> might chart the next week. You cannot call him. You take that back No, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean him. I meant you get people who were like the motors, but not as good as the motors. <laughs> hey, was this, was, was the single out before or after he did Superstars? I assume it would have been around the same time. Because Superstars was really... That, you know, that's something that nobody ever talks about. It had that real whole sort of big sports theme, people in bright tracksuits, aesthetic. Anyone who doesn't know, it was a show where basically sports people, they would have said sports men in the announcements, but they had women on it too, to be fair, competed against each other at their respective sports. You know, things like archery and so on, and obviously penalty shootouts and things. And <laughs> it was a huge thing. And they got big names like him to be on it. And wasn't he the one that had the awful bike crash? Yes, he did. In fact, I have got a very vague memory 
of having, you know, you used to get those football annuals. Yeah. Before they brought out magazines like Shoot and so on, there were just yeah. the football annual. I remember one where it referred to, yes, this is all coming together, where it referred to this superstar's accident. And it had, as part of his recovery, a photo of him balancing a copy of Head Over Heels in Love between <laughs> his toes. Genuinely. <laughs> and there was a comment about, he better watch out for those slip discs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him even more for that. That's so that's such terrible, terrible judgment. <laughs> but never mind superstars. I mean, he is really somebody who, given how huge he was, I would say he was more than a household name in the 70s. Yeah. He even went beyond yeah. that. And as iconic footballers go, he's kind of been forgotten about. What do you think? I think he's no more as a manager now. I think, you know, when people start banging on about they've never have had this in my day so and so would have scored that goal it's never Kevin Keegan it's never Keegan god isn't it weird I mean he obviously was huge to me but maybe you just get jokes about perms really I was just gonna say maybe the publicity around him has negated the football skills well this wasn't his only record stop it in 1972 he did a single called it ain't easy I was so disappointed it wasn't a Bowie cover, which it should be given that time. It's kind of like a second wave glam rock thing. Are you teasing? No, not at all. But it doesn't really suit his voice, I don't think. <laughs> I think somebody was just quick get this record out. And after this, when he came back to the UK in 1980, he did a single called England, which is a really, <laughs> really dreary ballad on goal records, where it sounds like the sort of thing that would have been Say he'd done an advert for bread around that time, where it would have been him approaching an old lady's cottage with a voiceover from her saying, oh, good old Kevin, he might be a star. He never forgets to bring me the washing up liquid. <laughs> Got any bread? It's the sort of like music that would have been in that. And that did not chart. So I love the fact it was on gold record. This is interesting, though, because, you know, it was a hit, but it, to me, it sounds like something, maybe from 1976 rather than 79, which, you know, sounds a bit nitpicky, but in pop music, that makes all the difference. You think of 1979, you think of Gary Newman, you think of I'm in the mood for dancing. Unfortunately, you do think of Matchstalk Men and Matchstalk Cats and Dogs as well, <laughs> but the last time I slagged that off, the trouble I got in. But... Don't do that. Don't touch that. <laughs> it does show how big he was. You know, you've got the 70s bookended by that, and very early on, he did that public information film where he comes out of Liverpool that's in the ground and tells off a boy who's playing football too near the road. Where it's yeah. pretty perm as well. He's got just like a just a very odd sort of shaped hairstyle. <laughs> Stop picking on him. This is so and I kind of forget that he did it. He did the brute ads as well, didn't he? And did he ever go on tour with the music? I don't know. Because I think what's interesting here is that he isn't a great singer, but he can carry a tune. And I think, especially when you watch the performances he does of this and the B-side that are on YouTube, I'll come back to the B-side, but it looks like he knows he could carry a tune and yeah. was doing it as something, you know, for the fun of it, for something to enjoy. He didn't see himself as a serious musician, but yeah. he's gonna, he was going to give it. Yeah, but he does it. Yes, he, he was, was also so good looking. It, yeah. I mean, he was de- he's definitely, I mean, he must, so he must have been all the kind of 
girls pop magazines. He's a good looking man. You know, he was famous, he was cute, he was pretty. And yeah, he could carry a tune. He had all the makings, didn't he, of a huge pop star. Did he go international apart from Germany? Was Head Over Heels big in Germany, I wonder? It looks like it was because most of the performances on YouTube are from German pop shows where he also right. does the B-side, Move On Down, which sounds like an angry Mungo Jerry. That's the way it can be described. That. It's got a really long guitar solo in. Where, credit to him, during that, he kind of just like nods from side to side, laughing. Again, as though he knows this is a bit silly that I'm doing this. He should but be I'm doing here some keepy ups. So. <laughs> Still with copies of the single. Whatever he wants to do, it's Kevin Keegan. You do what you want. Do you think Kevin Keegan and Kenny Douglish are friends? I hope they are. That's all I've got to say on the matter. <laughs> but I really hope they're friends. I hope they go out and have milkshakes together. Isn't it interesting to look back on, though? That was a different kind of superstar footballer you got in those days. Well, I would argue, in a way, I think they were more famous. They permeated the wider world a lot more. But they were less wealthy, less glamorous. Yeah. Got less endorsements. And I think, you know, today there's a feeling that players are more famous. I don't think they actually are. I don't think they really kind of, you know, everyone knows. You say Kevin Keegan, you think Perm. Is there really an equivalent to that now? I think you're right. I think, you know, probably because there were less lucrative endorsements, etc. That's why they did the other stuff to kind of bring <laughs> that money in. And I mean, again, because we're on Twitter, in the world of Twitter, in the world of things like that, you know, fame is huge. So, you know, Grealish, I mean, Grealish, maybe Grealish is a good example, actually, maybe of someone who's kind of crossed the football boundary into public conscience, who knows. But mainly, I guess, that people seem huge because we're surrounded by it. But Keegan, with no social media, was huge, was everywhere. So he was kind of across all classes, wasn't he? Everyone would know who he was, like you say. And out of football. Exactly. And also, it is worth saying, for a football record, especially a football record of that time, it is actually quite good. Yeah. I think it's a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit kind of, they're trying to do a pop song as a terrace chant and nobody was going to sing this on the terraces. But it's likeable enough. I think it works. I think it's catchy. I think it's the arrangement could be a bit more energetic. But, you know, that's somebody who, well, probably preferred airport by the motors. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe it wasn't up your strasse, but it was <laughs> like, we love it. We love it. And it's, you know, I've, I wonder if I've still got it somewhere. Because I've moved a million times in my life. I wonder oh, if I've you've got, got some to recreate fun. that photo of him holding it between yeah I want that I'm gonna have that as my new profile on Twitter oh I love him I used to work at strong room recording studios in Shoreditch best place on earth and at one point I was just thinking which track was it it was the Anfield rap Craig Johnston went there to record some of the Anfield rap and left his sweatshirt there which of course Dame BB Lynch (laughs) took because I know what I would never have got rid of that. Where is that? I quite like the football music crossover. I think it's kind of a cute thing. Do you remember what his line in the Anfield rap was? I can't remember. It was something about come on, Kenny, mate, give us a game. Da, 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 da. I'm very big down under <laughs> as my wife agrees. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> how far we actually are moving on because we're coming on to your next choice and I do wonder if these were prominently on display at soirees where Head Over Heels and Love was on in the background. Bread, man. How much uh, money do you make a week? If I wanted to go out every day and do it, I can make close to mm, 150, 175, 185, you know. If you want to do it every day, four times a day, you can make an awful lot of bread. I don't do it. I do it, you know, I go home and the wife says, hey, like, you know, like, I went out today, I met this artist, man, and, like, 
he wants he wanted me to stand there and do some poses. So I got a free dinner out of it. I got my wife to come over, get a free dinner, get some food and stuff like Okay, nothing I could really use there. So that's the trailer for Andy Warhol's 1970 film Flesh, which got in a lot of trouble and got a lot of people arrested at a screening, but still was somewhat slightly classier than Fleshpot Serving Dishes. BP, I don't actually want to ask what these were, but please enlighten us. So, picture a young Dame BB. <laughs> at home and mummy and daddy are hosting a dinner party and with there's casserole and there's whatever i can't have birth bourguignon and there's like maybe a salad a soup and whatever and they're, they're bringing the casserole dishes to the table to you know present to the guests and they are in the shape of a female torso a naked female torso my mum and dad had flesh pot serving dishes, which are I think the 70s or 80s, and they were three porcelain dishes with lids, and they're stacked, and they're in the shape of a woman's body. So the top half is the boobies, second, <laughs> top half, sorry, top third, second third is the tummy and the B button, and the final third is, do I say prudenda? I mean, I said prudenda, I used to write porn. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't use the right porn. I used to write sure for I think jazz. You write prom in that. Case. I used to. I used to write. I used to write for jazz mags. <laughs> and when I was really, when I first started out, my pen names were Stella Artois, Prudenda, <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny Taylor. It's brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> I can't take credit for Jenny Taylor, that was my friend Sue. But anyway, yeah, so mum and dad had these. I couldn't remember where these flesh pots had gone. I found out recently, I think one of my siblings has got them. And we were like, Listen, how much were they worth? I mean, honestly, they're really graphic. Yes. <laughs> they're, yes, they're really graphic. And you'd have to really be careful what you serve in the bottom dish, surely. Because anyway, and I Googled them, right? Oh my God, some of them are up. There's one lot up for $4,000. So they're highly collectible. They're award-winning. They're casserole white ceramic dishes by a designer called Morris Rushton. And we didn't have the male one. So the male one had a winky, obviously. We just had the two female ones. But my dad did have a naked man apron with a winky on. Can you picture, what was going on? Tim, what was, was going on? There was kind of an obsession in those days. Apparently these are from 1978, but the whole aesthetic is kind of like ITV daytime gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I know you had to make your own pornography in those days, but honestly, <laughs> At all time. these things were unattractive ideas with unattractive renderings as well. That's the weird thing. It's like the way, you know, in early 70s films, you get a man with a moustache, you know, with a very kind of unappealing picture from a magazine, go, whoa, and like, well, it doesn't look very warm. It looks a bit sleazy and grimy. I don't quite get what was happening. It was so people thought the idea was enough. It was like an extension of the whole thing about, I am genuinely sad. There's apparently a myth about the Victorians covering up piano legs because they thought men would get so incensed. You know, they'd still frantically try to make love to pianos. how I always interpreted it. But it's kind of like an extension that we can be naughty but we will have to leave the actual naughtiness up to people and their imaginations because... I mean, the female form, it's beautiful. The male form, beautiful. Any form, beautiful. 
I don't want to eat custard out of it. Do you know what I mean? No, you don't need to say, do you know what I mean? I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Do you know, I mean, am I being unreasonable? So those were in my, were in my, at least I'm, I developed a stutter. <laughs> they were in my family home, Flesh Pots, Maurice Rushton. And they, like you say, they are worth a fortune now. Yeah, $4,000. I mean, we're not even well advised speculating on why they're so rare. What happened to all those other ones that were sold at the time? <laughs> I, I can't even begin to imagine what fate might have befallen them. I'm just looking at the male one <laughs> and um, and he's really got abs. The female one hasn't got abs. She's got a, like, a gentle kind of rounded tummy. Yeah, the bloke's got abs. Well done. Well, I'm just trying to how they enlivened any kind of dinner party. Because surely, surely either even the joke or pushing it, the arousal, would last maybe a minute at the most. Well, yeah, tops. I mean, oh God, there's no arousal there. I mean, there's disturbance, <laughs> obviously. I don't know, maybe. Look, my parents aren't here to defend themselves. So I can't, <laughs> I can't say what was going on in there beautiful minds but yeah flesh pots if we ever have a dinner party together be comforted that i don't own them That's all <laughs> you do still own that apron though because you frequently posted yourself on instagram wearing that's it. a different apron <laughs> that apron is topless and that's all kind of pecs and abs and fabulous that apron the one on instagram was my my brother's one christmas and and the, what's hilarious about that was the oven broke down <laughs> The oven broke down, so the Christmas dinner couldn't be cooked. And obviously I wasn't cooking because I can't cook. So my brother and his flatmates tried to find a neighbour whose cooker they could use, <laughs> whose oven they could use. And this bloke across the road went, yeah, of course, there's space in our oven, you know, put your uncooked food in our oven for your Christmas lunch. So I went over to help and I was wearing that apron. <laughs> So it's just it just basically looks like I've got, I'm topless, but, but I'm a bloke with abs and pecs and you know, biceps and fabulousness. Into a slightly more wholesome area. I don't know how to segue into this, so I will let the great man do it for me. Okay, the dulcet tones are shaking Stevens there with lipstick, powder and paint. No, it's not shaky and it's not that single as forgotten as it is. It is actual lipstick, powder and paint as advised on by Jackie magazine. So BB, give us some tips. So yeah, so I don't wear much makeup, but when I was a kid, I wore loads. I would, I'd go to school like proper full on face. And my guide for this masterpiece, a bit like painting by numbers, would be, and it was magazines like Jackie, they'd have makeup guides. And it was like now, lots of people now do contouring, like really heavy duty contouring to change the shape of their faces. It's extraordinary. It's like so amazing to do. I don't know how it's done. I don't know how you actually have a day outside with it because you you know, you'd be smearing it and, you know, it'd be sweating off and horrible, horrible, and it would feel really encased and horrible. But it looks stunning. They'll use a little bit of kind of dark shade on the tip of the nose to shorten the length of the nose, the appearance of the length of the nose, and to shade the sides of the nose again to lessen the appearance of the width of the nose, things like that. So, anyway, but Jackie magazine, it wasn't as dramatic as that. It was just how to put on blusher. But it would be three steps. And there'd be often be a makeup kit attached to the magazine.
magazine, I'm sure I haven't made that up. And it would be pinky, orangey blusher for the kind of apple bit of your cheeks. And then beneath it, a stripe of darker to shade it. And then above it, a stripe of white to highlight. So I would go out looking like, you know, an extreme adamant just on each cheek. <laughs> <laughs> look absolutely and I like, wouldn't blend it wouldn't know what to just have like just three stripes on each on each cheek and I remember trying to get rid of a double chin as well just with like the darker shade under there as well so I just looked like I just wore a roll neck and the dye had run or something I don't know what I looked like but yeah it just hit me the other day I was thinking that's so mad that they existed but I kind of love that they did and now you know if they could see me now the YouTube tutorials of contouring stuff it just the extreme version of it just blows your mind if you ever seen it have you ever seen any of those videos i've never watched any of those videos i do remember well once i remember the magazine features you know growing up in a largely female household there were always girls magazines lying around which you know there were many reasons to read them whether it was rating the super hunks or whatever <laughs> feature it was makeup features just genuinely i just thought oh no interest to me it was like you come across a bit in the newspaper where it had you know the stock exchange rates and just think yeah this is completely alien language to me so i never yeah. really read them, but i love the idea that it was basically like wiki how minus like just, you get the makeup you put it it's a bit like gumby flower arranging for what Biden's flying circus <laughs> i actually think people should do youtube videos recreating these whole guidelines to see what they look like oh do you know what i would love i'd be up for that that kind of stuff stays with you a bit actually because it's like highlighter you put a little dab of highlighter under your eyebrow and it kind of opens your eyes up and, and white eyeliner again opens up your eyes and then this, you're supposed to put a little dab of kind of I think it's white eyeliner right in the kind of you know when you get sleep in your eye or kind of little globules of nastiness and you'd put your highlighter there and I don't know why that I don't know what that's supposed to do I don't know how that would open up one's eye but apparently it does I love makeup part of me wishes I'd been a hairdresser or a makeup artist and I have no skills in either but I just think they're such kind of calming lovely things to do I could be wrong here but my memory is they would often include things that would probably get them sued now yeah you know, like bizarre things like if you have any butterscotch angel delight scrapings left over in the bowl rub them into your eyebrows for extra sheen <laughs> <laughs> they did honestly suggest rambling random nonsense like that, which you could not get away with now. I do not know what you've been reading. I do not know what's going on. Throw lemon juice into your eyes. <laughs> yeah, just, just some salt. That will make them shine. <laughs> don't know i don't know but i would love to see those some of my magazine i freelanced in magazines oh, i wrote in newspapers and magazines for about 30 years and some of my friends and contacts still from magazines were part of the original jackie crew one girl i'm thinking of wendy rigg brilliant stylist and writer was a jackie model i think she did some stuff for magazine but i think she was also a cover model for them as well how great's that do you remember the photo stories that would oh yes require a little acting as well are you familiar with the relaunched eagle from the early 80s no. Where they tried to do a boys comic of photo stories. Oh, did they? But no. it was all things like XSAS men gone mercenary and Doom Lord, who was an alien ah. rubber mask with covered on here before it was like very slowly taking over the earth person by person you don't want that gig do you good news we've got you a gig bad news you're taking over the earth but as great as it was it didn't last very long and i wonder if that's because there was the association with photo stories of being four girls oh that's interesting yeah yeah, maybe. Also, they sound a little ominous. There was a footballing one, Thunderbolt and Smokey, about <laughs> two boys who were good at football. 
Although there was one of those that was really weird where they played against the... They jumped over a wall to get a ball back and there was a team of cloned boys. <laughs> These all sound so sinners. At least my photo stories was, is he looking at me? Is he looking at me? I don't know. Meet, in, meet you after geography. Were they ever looking at her? No, never. And I'll tell you why. Because she has three bloody stripes on her cheek. Okay, we're staying in relatively the same era as actually pretty much all of your choices with a final one that ties them all together apart from, I hope, the fleshpot serving dishes. <laughs> <laughs> that that i've deliberately chosen there is a series one theme from starsky and hutch because nobody remembers that it actually had a different theme tune when it started obviously starsky and hutch itself a lot of people remember but there's one particular fashion detail of it that was everywhere at the time and i don't think i've been everywhere for a long time bb what were they wearing <gasps> poor michael glazer starsky was wearing the starsky cardigan and not only was poor michael and was David still wearing a leather jacket? I've got like a brown leather jacket kind of... Yes, he had yeah. one of those... You know those stylish ones with the sort of blazery lapels? Yeah, which yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. There were a lot of them hanging around in charity shops when I was a student, so there'll be a lot of people listening <laughs> to this thinking, oh my God, did he ever take that jacket off? What did yeah. it smell like? But yeah, that was his thing. You know, he was post-roll neck era, but you know, he had yeah. round neck tops on and yeah. shades and he was very cool. And like you say, Paul Michael Glazer had this chunky car. Oh, I mean, oh, I loved Starsky so much. You were, I mean, you were very much divided if you loved David Sowell, if it was Starsky or Hutch, and I was totally Starsky. And my mum again, my parents are featured highly today. My mum had Starsky cardigans made for her and my dad, matching cardigans. Well, you say are. Oh. Every photo of the minute, she's laughing like she knows she's making him wear something he hates and he's looking like he's wearing something he hates. <laughs> <laughs> But they were fabulous. I loved them. They were quite chunky knit, weren't they? And they were like a cream colour, real 70s colours. So like various shades of chocolate brown and kind of beige ecru, if you will, in the pattern, which was like a kind of Aztec-y pattern. So it was just big, chunky cream cardigan, thick knit, and then around the waist and kind of crossing across the sleeves in the same area, this kind of Aztec-y brown pattern. Oh, he just looked so comfortable and lovely. In it. And he looked so hot in it in terms of temperature because he would also be, he'd always be wearing like a denim shirt with this over the top and you're like oh my god Starsky just go topless <laughs> no you were thinking that anyway weren't anyway you? I think that would have made my teen 
brain exploding I've seen Starsky topless but that cardigan was everywhere and you know you can have it you can buy it now as part of an adult costume you know it's like it's sold now as a look as a kind of dress up look but at the time there were actually knitting patterns yeah genuinely were because <laughs> there was loads of Starsky <laughs> merchandise because you know you could get the car the Gran Torino yeah, in all yeah. kinds of different shapes and sizes you know that red car with the white stripe on which yeah. the 18 did not copy at all we had a Starsky and Hutch detective kit where this will show how young I was when we got it. There were some toy walkie-talkies in it, you know, not functioning ones, just moulded plastic with a bit of plastic cable that's supposed to go between them. And it wasn't connected up. And I remember thinking, what's that? That must be Hutch's pet snake that we don't see. <laughs> now, that, I'm not saying that wouldn't have been a great episode. <laughs> Do you know, I don't remember one episode. I, I mean, that could just be my mate. the Radio Times praises of them than what actually went on. It was Huggy Bear and Starsky and Hutch. And he was great. And I remember the kind of, we all hate the word, but it's the only word I can think of at the moment, the banter between them all. It was all very sassy and very, yeah. you know, fun and knowing. And I loved that. But I don't remember any actual storylines. No, I remember it being played in the playground more because there were always fights over who got to be Huggy Bear. But also, any boy who had a cardigan, <laughs> you know, that made him de facto Starsky. There was no way around that. And it's a fascinating thing about because he was relatively, he was the macho character, Starsky. Hutch was, I'm not saying he wasn't, you know, manly, but he was more sort of, you can't really say new man, but more in that direction, really. Mm. He's a bit more huggy-feely, I suppose. Mm. But mm. the thing is, over here, it's obviously different in America, but cardigans, you're so shaped with, like, Valdunicans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a weird... Yeah, you're right, you know, that you wouldn't... But then, I guess, kind of folk singing, kind of... So you'd think, imagine... You'd imagine who would have had the cardigan in their character sense. It would have been Hutch. Yeah, because yeah. obviously David Soul singing Korea, which... Oh, don't give up on me. A lot of his songs don't sound that different to Head Over Heels in Love. I was just <laughs> thinking there... I th I'm wondering if it's the same production team. <laughs> I could play the first few notes of Don't Give Up On Me Baby on the recorder accidentally because I couldn't play them and I didn't know what they were but I remember going, oh, that sounds a bit like Don't Give Up On Me. And do you remember, and Silver Lady. Actually, I like that. I like that I don't song. I before Michael Glazer made any records though. Yeah, well, you should have. Oh, I loved him so much. He should have done some Valdunican covers. <laughs> Just use the cardigan. <laughs> Rafferty's motor car. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much wardrobe car. budget. We've got the cardigan. Let's, let's <laughs> go with that. Torino with a white stripe on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do we think, do we, did Kevin Keegan, back to Kevin, did Kevin ever make any TV appearances? What, just in general? Yeah, but like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like Harry Redknapp's been in EastEnders. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Because I'm thinking Keegan should have turned up on Starskin Hutch. I'd have loved it. I'm looking at his IMDb page now. There's a nice photo of him smiling at the top of it with his arms folded, which is nice. Credits, director, English Premier League. I don't think that really counts. <laughs> Soundtrack, it's just things with clips ahead over here. Some actor, oh, there's one credit for <gasps> actor. Mike Bassett, England manager, commentator. That seems to be all he's done. He's appeared as a joke commentator in a joke film about football. Okay. You thought he'd have been in. I mean, I don't really want to bring this up, but you thought he, he would have been in Mind Your Language or something. Where... <laughs> Why? You know, well, it's the sort of thing that celebrities turned up in in the 70s, where there'd be a storyline about how they thought, oh, no, we thought Keegan Kevin was coming. Well, I'm Kevin Keegan. Can I help? <laughs> was that... 
<laughs> I wonder if he was on Morecambe and Wise. I'm obsessed now. There's no obsessed. record of it here, so... I feel like I should be his agent. He was on Football's 47 Best Worst Songs, which I'm going to challenge Oh, that. I'm annoyed about that, I yeah. think it does not have any place on that list. Also, 47. Yeah, I'm annoyed with <laughs> You know, Stasi's cardigans, I was obviously looking at them earlier because I wanted to check out basically how much they were worth. Amazon is £69. And I saw a photo of Steve McQueen wearing the same. Now, I'm hoping it's not an AI thing. <laughs> Steve McQueen in a Starsky cardigan. Blow your mind. Well, I also found a webpage devoted to the Starsky cardigan, which oh. suggested there were actually two variants of it. What? That appear in different episodes as though one was being washed at the time. <laughs> It's like the way sometimes Hamble would look slightly different on play school because they obviously had a stunt Hamble for when she got damaged. That would it just look that slight bit different? Can I do a name? Well, it's not a name drop. It's a you career drop. Can name drop, drop Hamble? <laughs> <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I when I was young and firm, I had a, a bit of a TV career, and I presented a series called What Men Want on Living TV on Living. <laughs> Did you know I did that? <laughs> yeah, I did that. And um, I only had one outfit. We bought me one outfit and I had to wear it the entire <laughs> series filming. And honestly, it was it like a rag Oprah, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite cute out. It was from Browns. It was like a nice outfit, but it was hilarious that we we only got me one. We didn't bother getting me two. So that I mean, it saw some dry cleaning between episode between between <laughs> filming, but nothing. Yeah, I wish we'd had the Did two. Did you find out what men wanted? And was it a copy of Head Over Heels in Love, or was it a flashpot serving dish? It could, <laughs> it could have been either or, or neither. No, the fact that I have recently made a podcast called Let's Get Frank and I'm Still Looking for Love shows that in the, in the 30 years between making that series and now, no, I did not find out what men want. <laughs> No, I didn't. That was a, that was a fun. Sh that was a lot of fun. I also did. This, I don't know if you know this, but I think you'll like this. I was also the roving reporter on Love Call Live, which was presented again another dating show presented by David Kidd Jensen, mm. and I'm going to get her name wrong, and everyone's going to be so angry with me. Sophie Aldred. Wow. Doctor Who's I assistant. bet even Sophie has forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, she was lovely. But isn't that mad? We'd go around clubs in Anglia. I'd be the roving reporter, and I've got a fantastic photo of me somewhere I'll try and find it and send it to you of me really skinny in this great little outfit next to a male stripper who's obviously about to perform and he's oiled up and you can see my body moving away going do not get that oil on me this <laughs> I like this don't you dare <laughs> I yes. say, I do really like the fact you've got all these fascinating, long-forgotten details in your career, but it's starting to sound a bit like the introduction to Richard Herring's Lesser Square Theatre podcast. <laughs> she's probably best known for... I'm trying to think of another one you haven't mentioned yet. Oh, here's your IMDb page. It says here you were on Carnal Knowledge, that Graham Norton and Maria Curlin quiz show. I co-wrote it. That was oh, Graham I, Norton's first TV. I thought you were a contestant for a second. But... No, I co-wrote it. The problem with that show was that the theme songs need to go on for the whole programme. Carnal Knowledge. Bab -du -du Have I made that up? You've segued into the French and Saunders theme, but it's basically <laughs> that. Yes, yeah. Okay, she's probably best known for Dead Famous. I created that. 
<laughs> I've had what a weird little career I've had. I created Dead Famous, and, and it was I was on a, the twenty four bus going to Chalk Farm, and I was about to have a meeting at Living, and I was thinking they're really famous doing celebrity stuff, and they're really into ghosty stuff. They were doing Most Haunted, and I thought we should combine it and do a show where we try and find the ghosts of celebrities. And so I created Dead Famous, and I obviously put me in as presenter, and they wisely gave it to Gail Porter. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. You've done more than four things. There's only four on yours. Oh, they hate me, they're anti me. I don't know what that what's wrong with them. They're just jealous, Tim. I've looked although Paul Michael Glazier has a Discogs entry. Oh what? He has one singing credit, singing Sunrise Sunset in Fiddler on the Roof in nineteen seventy one. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> oh, that's such a beautiful song. Oh, okay, this is my I mean it is quite sorted. a cardigan song as well. Not well, cardigans, it's... it sounds nothing like them. <laughs> <laughs> How have we covered all this? So we've gone from my cheekbones, <laughs> my enhanced cheekbones, to ceramic genitalia, to Kevin Keegan. I was going to say, it's all down to him initially, isn't it? Yeah, Kevin started this. Do you think, does Kevin Keegan listen to Looks Unfamiliar? I have no idea at all. I would be surprised. He might listen to this one because there'll be somebody on Twitter who replies saying, Art Kevin Keegan. So, yeah. <laughs> as always happens. Does it, does it? It's always hilarious when they at the actual guesting. <laughs> Kevin Keegan, if you do listen to this, I love you with all my heart. I just thought I'd say that. What if Paul Michael Glazer listens? Paul, I, if you're listening to this, I love you and Kevin Keegan with all my heart. And what if a Jackie Magazine cover model listens? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a couple of weeks to lose a stone. <laughs> well, you've left me in a really difficult place to find an outro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go on, you can do it. And what if Frank is listening to this? Well, tell that piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that old adage of treat them mean, keep them keen, he's gone too far. I can't bear him anymore. I'm not interested anymore. It's Dan for me. And on that note, Dan, do make yourself <laughs> Baby, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much, my love. It's been such fun. This is... <laughs> One of us is going to get arrested, and I'm, I'm guessing it's me. I don't know. The Camberwick Green Procrastination Society. Articles, columns and more, some previously unpublished. More details, timworthington.org.